Welcome back to the FY podcast. That is for your ignorance. I'm your co-host Daniel Zagron, and I'm your other co-host Zach Koreshi. Yes, sir. And today we have some tragic and sad news to start us off with. Uh, Chief, Ju- not Chief Justice, Supreme Court Justice. Uh, actually, Zach, do you want to do you want to join? Yeah. So the news? let's just get rolling. We really only have one really big story uh, to cover this week, and that is the uh, passing of. Justice uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg yeah. on Friday from was, was cancer, right? Yes, it was from cancer. cancer. Um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg was a trailblazer in terms of uh, gender discrimination. Of course, she was the second uh, female Supreme Court justice after Sandra Day O'Connor uh, served since 1993, nominated by Bill Clinton. Um, and she's been She's been pretty old for a while. She was 87 when she died. Yeah, it was pancreatic um, cancer she was struggling right. from. Okay, and she was. Um, yeah. There have there has been fear among Democrats that she would pass away during Trump's presidency, and there was hope that she uh, wouldn't. And she has unfortunately passed away. We Which actually, would mean, yeah, if Trump is allowed to nominate a new Supreme Court justice to replace her now, it would mean that it would be his third. Which is just unprecedented. In four years. In, in four one term. Years, in one term. Three nominations. <clears throat> effectively changing the history of the Supreme Court and its balance. So, um, The fact that her appointment, it passed with flying collars, you know? Like, she was nominated right. by Bill Clinton and it passed the Senate vote uh, then 96-3, you know? Like, yeah, I mean, even the Republicans weren't really against the choice. But in the, in right. the, in the irony behind her replacement causing so much polarization... Right, within Congress, I think is just most, crazy. Um, most Supreme Court nominees don't tend to get uh, they tend to get passed pretty easily because presidents don't tend to pick too partisan of people. The only so notable, controversial the only selections. controversial one recently would I mean like Kavanaugh. Kavanaugh, as I was going to yeah. say, yeah, is the only one I can think of that was like really controversial. Most of the time, it's somebody that's respected within the law community, within politics. Yeah, and they tend to be you know of the partisan affiliation of the president that nominates them, but they also tend to be level-headed people, of course, mm-hmm. that can see reason on either side. Unbiased. Uh, exactly. That tends to be the thing. And, you know, sometimes it works out like that, sometimes it doesn't, but that tends to be what happens. So I'm not surprised that it that she passed um, bipartisanly. Uh, that tends to be the norm. Um, but, yeah, she has been a um mostly progressive mm-hmm. uh, at least democratic um <clears throat> justice with a few uh, exceptions um she was a champion she was a for champion women's for rights women's rights, rights, right. rights altogether yeah so she was um she fought for anti-discrimination in terms of hiring practices against women mm-hmm. um she fought for abortion rights yeah um and she upheld upheld some uh, civil rights laws in terms of unlawful search and seizure, which were all great things. But I have seen some complaints against her in terms of her not being as progressive as she maybe could be. Uh, for example, I've heard her being called um, uh, good on gender but bad on race. So, for example, hmm. she passed, um, she helped pass the um, law allowing the Atlantic Coast Pipeline to be built on Native American land. Interesting. Um, which is was there are a lot of environmental concerns as well as cultural concerns of the sovereignty of Native American land. Yeah. In addition, um, back in 2016, she called the Colin Kaepernick um, 
protests, uh, kneeling during the anthem, dumb and disrespectful. Those really? are the exact words. Yeah, that would not have passed with the with the popular opinion for sure. Right. So that's that's why you know I see a lot of people uh, on the left or far left criticizing seeing or not as the hero that people on the of the moderate left tend to, which yeah. I tend to agree in some ways, but also not. I would say it's kind of like you can't let that dismiss about, what that's she's what I'm, done exactly. Like I like I would compare it to the founding fathers, where it's like like I'm I. I think it's equally valid to say the founding fathers were heroes. They were pioneers. They were revolutionaries. Mm -hmm. They started our country. They, you know, were great enlightened thinkers. I think it's equally valid to say that as it is to say, well, they were also slave slave owners owners (laughs) that didn't care about the rights of women to vote and things like that. Exactly. I think the same is true of RBG in some ways. It's equally valid to say, wow, she was a great feminist pioneer, passed some great progressive laws as it is equally valid to say well she was you know not maybe not as progressive as it seems and in some ways i don't want to say racist but but it's hard it's hard to be it's hard to be fully progressive without having bias or without like really i mean i don't know you you can you can say like with race but it doesn't really follow her niche you know she was appointed in in the in the supreme court to you know achieve rights for women in particular so like for you to uh, criticize her on her on her mindset towards race, you know, you 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 are right to do that, obviously, because I'm sure there are there were certain times when she could have been more progressive than than uh, she's perceived as. But when you think about what she's still done for women, like you can't dismiss what she what you know yeah, her sure. influence and her her impact. Like yeah. I would I would think I would compare it to um, again founding fathers. Did you, did you, listen to the epic rap battle of um thomas jefferson versus frederick Douglass. i haven't watched epic rap battles since like <laughs> fifth grade zach epic rap battles rules by the way no the, it does for sure um, but there's one <laughs> jb smooth was on it as frederick Douglass, mm-hmm. um and there's a there's a bar he has at the at the, it's the final bar it's the mic drop uh-huh. where frederick Douglass says uh you did some good stuff i ain't denying your fame i'm just saying they better put an asterisk next to your name and it's like that's how i feel about the founding fathers that's how i feel about rbg yes they did great things yes it's tragic that they died all that but it is important to take that with sort of a grain of salt in some mm-hmm. ways is what i would say yeah um which you know if you think about like a book like heart of darkness you know about heart of darkness yeah i've heard of the, I've heard of it's the like way progressive in terms of anti-colonialism for the time but it also has wildly racist depictions of Native Africans and comparing them to animals and things like that. Yeah, wildly yeah. racist. So I understand how somebody could look at that and say, wow, that book is really racist. But I could also understand how someone could look at it and say, that's a really progressive book for the time. Mm-hmm. And so it's important to, I suppose, take, uh, you know, take RBG for what she was as a progressive uh, icon. The other, okay, there's one other complaint, though, that I want to go over from the left is that rbg should have retired 10 years ago mm. she was 77 years old um obama was in office he would have gotten a nomination yeah the balance of the court would not have changed in terms of partisan affiliations she could have retired there's you know it's not unprecedented for a, a, a supreme court justice to retire yeah most recently before her actually was um uh, uh, Justice Kennedy was retiring in 
2018 that brought Kavanaugh onto the court. So there is this idea that why did she stay on the court? You know, technically it's a it's a term that you can serve uh, until like for your whole life. That's a that's, lifetime appointment. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. that's allowed. But she should have seen. Well, I'm you know no spring chicken and I have cancer. Maybe I should retire. Did she know she had cancer? I'm not sure that she did into ten years ago, but. Yeah, I think she did during the Obama years. I'm not 100. Sure. No, she definitely has been battling it for roughly like upwards of four or five years. So right. I get your point for sure. Yeah, exactly. My my point is she, like, I admire her resolve of staying on as long as she could. I also think it maybe would have been better in terms of balance of the court for her mm-hmm. to have retired ten years ago. I also don't think personally, lifetime appointments should exist. Yeah, um, Yang Yang actually tweeted something a day after her death. Kind of, it was a link to his uh, candidacy website, and he was, you know, one of the ideas he had on his website was how uh, Supreme Court justices should have, like, you know, I think it was uh, like eight years or four years in terms of like uh, term uh, limits and stuff right. like that. And I mean, the idea of a lifetime appointment is that they won't be swayed by. The idea of re-election in terms reappointment of, and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, in terms yeah. of making um, a bias uh, rulings in any one direction, and they won't be swayed by uh, sort of the trend of today rather than the actual spirit of the law, or the rather than the actual um, long-term uh, values. So I sort of see why. Obviously, it's set up that way. Obviously, there's some kind of sense to what the founding fathers laid down. Obviously, isn't based on nothing. Um, but I also do think that uh, you tend to see with any, with any yeah. official you tend to see uh, corruption when there's no chance of them leaving office and maybe not corruption in the in the legal sense just just yeah but like the idea that they uh, at that point it's there's no poison. threat of yeah of being taken out of office to make them make uh, I don't say correct but make certain decisions judgment. that are yeah, yeah make judgments that are in line with yeah people think so at that point it's pick your poison though like if you if you apply term limits like you will eventually have a time when like you know there's an important case that arrives or, or surfaces and and it comes at a time when you know they would you know be susceptible to not being appointed if they were to rule one way or the other right so it's either do it's either you know have the system like that or have the system where the actual appointment itself is surrounded by uh, you know, corruption and political right, right. bias or political uh, manipulation. So, you know, one could argue that one is worse than the other. I mean, what do you think? Um, personally, I think I prefer there to be term limits. I mean, the danger yeah. of that is, you know, court uh, rulings just sway back and forth with a different election. Yeah. There wouldn't but, be continuity in the, in, yeah, in the law. I personally... Or the interpretation of the law. Right. I personally don't think that it's very democratic to have nine unelected lifetime appointed people that can change the fate of this country have you heard of the federal reserve have you heard of the have you heard of the fed (laughs) i just think you know there's nine overwhelmingly uh you know historically overwhelmingly white men that are usually old because you have to have experience in court systems to get on the radar to be nominated So I don't think that nine old people that can serve for life with no threat of being fired mm-hmm. should 
essentially decide how the country is run you know i mean there are obviously checks and balances in some ways but supreme court rulings are very very final if you think about um uh, gay marriage if you think about um african-americans being human beings <laughs> uh, i mean that was an amendment but you know things like the if you think about um uh Brown versus Board of Education, things like that. Yeah. Um, that was a challenge on the interpretation of the 13th, 14th, 15th. Right, right. exactly. So, Or 14th more, I, I would say. But Right, yeah. But But my, my point is the Supreme Court is extremely powerful, and it's run by nine individuals yeah. over a country of 300-some million, and there's no threat of them ever having to lose their jobs. So it's... No matter if their if their judgments are so uh, unaligned with the public's opinion on things, right. such as abortion, you know. Yeah. So that's my. Which is one of the one of the hot topics concern. that that kind of surrounds this appointment. You know, mm. one could argue that this next appointment that Trump chooses is one of the main motivators behind his selection. Will be someone who will surely reverse Roe v. Wade. Exactly. Know? Yeah. So let's get into the. We've talked about sort of the history behind uh, RBG and her yeah. historical significance. Now we move into uh, the political implications of her death. If we think about um, this, would be like I said, the third appointee by President Trump. Yep. Following um, Neil Gorsuch in 2017, after Anton Scalia passed away, mm-hmm. tragic, and then Brett Kavanaugh in 2018, after Anthony Kennedy retired. Um, and obviously, if you you probably remember. Um, the hearing the yeah the hearings and the controversy with Brett Kavanaugh uh, sexual, sexual assault sexual assault allegations from Christine college. Blasey Ford was her name right something like that yeah. Blasey Ford yeah mm-hmm. um but yeah but this would mean th- the third nominee for him for President Trump it would change uh the uh partisan makeup of the court if yeah. to have another conservative the balance name. really yeah so I mean it it's 4-4 four, four right now with Chief Justice like Roberts being like the fifth like kind of modern right line. exactly because so Scalia was a conservative replaced by another conservative that didn't change the balance yeah so much um Anthony Kennedy was a Democrat replaced mm-hmm. by Kavanaugh obviously Republican yeah so the balance shifted there which shift even further with RBG obviously being a uh, liberal candidate or a uh, liberal justice um so making the, a 6-3 so the balance is shifting mm-hmm. um so that's in some ways scary as a if you if you're a uh Democrat. Um, so, but if we think about historically, like I said, with um, with uh, Neil Gorsuch's um, appointment in 2016, President Obama had 11 months in office left when Anton Scalia passed away. Yep. And Republicans like Mitch McConnell said that he was a lame duck president, meaning that he was on his way out and he shouldn't be able to um, make decisions essentially lame duck referring to it was a second term if you're yeah. if you yeah if you he can't be reelected they this sort of an idea that they lose power not explicitly but sort of in uh, in practice he, that's he's a was a lame duck president they called him um, so he wasn't there he shouldn't be able to yeah get the nomination and they succeeded in that line of thinking they had um, the majority in the senate at that time right right yeah. Which they do now, right? So. Exactly. So, just kind of scary that for uh, there's a possibility of a Republican president, Congress, and um, a Supreme Court. But anyway, like I was saying, 
Republicans like Mitch McConnell said he's a lame duck. You shouldn't get to um, appoint appoint him, and they succeeded in that line of thinking with the appointment of Neil Gorsuch. Now there are only four months left on President Trump's administration, and theoretically he can be reelected. But the argument the, would still the be argument, applied. If we're going with the argument that stood in 2016, President Trump should not be allowed to make this nomination. And we should wait until the new election happens. And so uh, because there are only four months and last time there was 11 months, it would seem that this is even a bigger case for that lame duck um, argument. Uh, however, that's not how Republicans are acting. Yeah, um, yeah. they are. Yeah. So Mitch McConnell... The same day, no, not even not, like within barely hours. over an hour, barely over an hour. The right. body, the, the 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 body wasn't even cold yet, and this fool was making a public right, statement literally. saying we're gonna push, mm-hmm. we're gonna push through to the Senate to right. to vote on an appointee mm-hmm. for Trump. Uh, There's been disrespect. a coronavirus <laughs> stimulus package bill on his desk since April mm-hmm. that he has not touched, and within hours of, of the news breaking of rbg's passing he's saying we're gonna get this on the floor we need to put this on the floor. yeah and this he's one of the very same uh people that said in 2017 uh 2016 that obama was a lame duck president so it's blatantly hypocritical hypocritical partisan hacking yep. very blatantly we are going to use the tactics that help us get more conservative nominees not we are going to follow right our actual logic and <clears throat> principles that we've set and and let me that. just add for the listeners mitch mcconnell is just the tip of the iceberg i mean right. a lot of the other republican senators are also guilty of we're not guilty yet because they haven't really made a public stance on it but but uh you know those all those republicans they agreed with him back in 2016 Whenever he had that argument, as you know, the lame duck argument that Zach mentioned earlier. Right. So, if they are to uh, follow Mitch McConnell's lead on this and vote yes on Trump's appointee, you know that you know they will all, they should also be rightfully labeled as hypocrites in my in my book at least. Yeah. I don't know about yours, Zach, but oh, we obviously. <laughs> um, the other thing is, President Trump hasn't actually picked anybody yet. Like he doesn't. I mean, yeah. he stated that he's gonna choose a woman, right? That was which the, he yeah, thinks will please going. us progressives. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, Sarah Palin is a woman. Yeah. So <laughs> you know, gender is thinking? not that big of an indication of what they're gonna do while they're in the court. Right. There are many uh, conservative women. You know. So I could see a conservative woman on the court mm-hmm. overturning Roe v. Wade. I could see. You know, for those unaware, that's uh, it was a um, abortion rights case um, made by the Supreme Court. So I could see there are obviously uh, pro-life um, women out there mm-hmm. that Trump could pick who would overturn a case about women's rights. So that's in some ways scary in that way. Um, but yeah, the Democratic response has obviously been obviously had been um, sort of calling out. Calling out the uh, Republicans in the same way that we have uh, for this hypocrisy. Um, Nancy Pelosi has also said that she would be open to 
reopening a second impeachment inquiry into Donald Trump oh, in yeah. order to delay a nomination, which I think is an interesting tactic. Um, I'm not. Sure I don't see what, being effective. I, mean, <laughs> I don't see being very effective. I'm not but... sure what. Because it's just exactly going to get to the Senate and then not go through again. Right. But I'm not so. sure exactly what impeachable offense she's trying to point out at this point. I'm sure there are some allegations that we have. That we yet, can pinpoint we can, and use. Yeah. Right. But um, that hasn't been successful in the past in impeaching him. However, I mean, I'm not sure about the legality of an impeached president um, nominate, nominating a Supreme Court justice. So maybe that's. Or. Maybe he couldn't during the hearing or something like that. He technically as a, as was impeached tactic. through the House of Reps, through Congress. Right, but yeah. Like, so still, if yeah. we have, maybe if there was some hearings, it would delay his ability to nominate somebody or something like that. But I think that's an interesting tactic being used. Um, yeah. People are saying that, uh, you know, if Trump is able to get this appoint, appointee through and onto the court, there is still hope for the Democrats because um, so like back when Andrew Andrew Johnson I believe was president um, he they the Congress limited the number of seats to seven and was not able to let him appoint Supreme Court justices and so what they're saying is the Democrats can use the tactic let me find what it was called real to quick. add a seat number yeah, to do the opposite, to, make it 10? to, to expand the court mm. rather than to uh, compress it. That's interesting. Uh, I would wonder... Um, Judicial you... Circuits Act is what right. it was called and passed through Congress to well, enable would, them to do that. I would that. wonder if the number of justices has risen at the same rate as the population of the United States. Hasn't it always been nine? What, what do you mean? Has You just said that it... Well, I mean, that was just that was just like a tactic they used to... To disable a president, a standing president, from appointing justices, what I, like you know, I don't think it had much to do with population. I think it went from nine to seven, and then back to nine, whenever uh, uh, Ulysses Grant was elected in eighteen sixty-eight. So, um, but yeah, but you actually bring a, a very good idea, which is to make justices proportional to the population growth. Right, but that's what I'm saying. It would seem like a far-fetched or radical idea for the people, the current incumbents in Congress right now. I don't think they would actually be up for it because it would mm -hmm. kind of shift the 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 power. Kind of, yeah. it, it, it would kind of alleviate the, the political power's grip on the justice itself because you know, which is fairly ironic because the judicial branch was created to put you know congress in check essentially right right i mean uh i think well with 10 you can have dead ties can't you yeah but with dead ties that would make it actually yeah well, well isn't there's a reason behind it being odd because in order to prevent it prevent from being ties because right. you, know, you don't want you don't yeah. want ties or draws I that kind of well the thing defeats the purpose yeah exactly so it would be go from nine to eleven right well which... the strategy i've heard for going forward for progressives is a delay this um dominees are as long as possible b vote for joe biden is the strategy um so that he can appoint um democratic uh nominees the idea is i've heard the phrase i'm voting for joe biden because i'm voting for the supreme court Meaning, mm -hmm. I disagree with Joe Biden politically. I don't think he's progressive enough. I don't think, you know, I think his problems with 
uh, race or whatever. I don't like Kamala Harris, whatever your complaint is with Joe Biden. But I am voting for him in order to get him, in order for him to make the next Supreme Court uh, nominees is the idea, which I think is an interesting thing. I think, I, I mean, I personally know some people that are that use that line of thinking. It's an understandable sentiment for sure. Right, where it's like I don't think Joe. If you think the idea is, you know, if you don't like Biden, but you would prefer his nominees to Trump's, you know, even if you don't see much of a difference between Biden and Trump in terms of foreign affairs or whatever, mm-hmm. but there would be a difference in their uh, Supreme Court nominations. So that's an interesting strategy. Interesting, very interesting. Chuck Schumer, he tweeted... Chuck Schumer's actually been tweeting a lot lately this past week. Has he really? Yeah, so he, he tweeted uh, he tweeted about RBG and everything. And he, tre- he tweeted saying that the people should have a say, a voice in the new selection on the Supreme Court and all that. But uh, another thing that he also was tweeting about was uh, the Moore Act... He was trying to appeal to young voters, essentially, with this tweet. He was basically, in the Moore Act, if y'all, you guys don't know, it's the Marijuana Freedom and Opportunity Act. And what he was saying is that it would establish a trust fund to assist women and minority-owned small marijuana businesses. And also, you know, this goes without saying, you know, legalized marijuana in America. Right. And so uh, he was basically tweeting saying, if, if, you, if the people vote Democrat for the Senate, for the Senate and we get that majority in the Senate, I, who, you know, Chuck Schumer is right now the minority leader, he would be, then be changed or turned into the majority leader. And he would, he, he basically vowed, saying that he would he would put this act on the floor and get it to a vote in order to, you know, officially legalize marijuana and set up an actual uh, system of regulation for the production and distribution of this uh of this drug or of this you know plant <laughs> right. <laughs> right but yeah well what do you think like the political implications of this i mean i would say personally that it seems like it's a reaction to the lack of enthusiasm among young people mm-hmm. to joe biden and the democratic party broadly um i think it's an interesting i think it's like an encouragement idea. to vote yeah know? yeah so encouragement to we'll yeah. give, we'll give incentive. Of, we'll give you a little bit of weed if you, you like uh, dope. Come on yeah. and vote for the Democrats. <laughs> <laughs> Not which, actually, I'm which, well, <laughs> which I, I mean is is like it's not necessarily a new tactic. I feel like most people should know that if marijuana is a big issue for you, I feel like you're already voting Democrat. Wait, what do you mean? Like, if it's already a big issue for you, you're voting Democrat? Yeah, if you personally are for the legalization of marijuana... Oh, okay, then you're already going to vote Democrat. You're already going to vote Regardless, Democrat. okay. Yeah, that's not... So he's not, like, turning... I don't know how many, you know, people that are out there that are pro-marijuana... Yeah, but, like, it's still are, not legal, not you know? It's for, still not federally legal. That's true, so that's for, true. But then again, like, you're right. Like, Democrats obviously would would uh, would have done that without him saying it. I'm sure any any layman would have would have assumed that a democratic senator a democratic run senate would have done this eventually anyway right but you know just i think for some people seeing him say that or yeah. tweet that and kind of make it true yeah that's fair and and known but yeah yeah and um going back to uh vice president biden and voting for a supreme court seat in a way 
Did you see there was an Instagram live video of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez talking Mm-mm. about uh, Joe Biden? And she was saying, essentially, in the vein of voting for a Supreme Court seat, she was saying, if you don't like Biden, you should vote for him anyway for the cause of upholding democracy, is mm. what she was saying. And basically, her point is, like, if you don't vote for Biden and Trump ends up winning and we end up letting and like say for example we do actually manage to push the nomination until after the, next, the, the next after yeah. the election but then say Trump wins then he gets his we're third nominee and we're back yeah. at square one so her idea is vote for Biden he'll be able to um, fix the balance of the court yeah and our democracy itself won't be threatened because at that point we would have a uh, Republican majority, Republican president, and a Republican Supreme Court. Um, and we would not be able to pass I mean, how often uh, that healthcare happen? reform uh, very rarely. Right? Right. Yeah. Well, we like, would have, you we know, would, one would, political party controls right. every single aspect mm-hmm. of the government. Exactly. We wouldn't be <laughs> able to pass uh, healthcare reform. We would be able to pass. Uh, Police reform would be able to pass uh, marijuana reform. Like Basically we everything about. that anything the youth and that the, young the people. Are, yeah. yeah. So her idea is vote for Biden to uphold the very fabric of democracy. <laughs> um, Please. I mean, and I even saw some uh, sort of leftist disagreement with that saying supposed hypocrisy of the statement you know like to uphold democracy you have to like basically picking apart her choice of words in that they were saying making fun of her saying um yeah uh, to uphold democracy I don't, I don't have any choice is what the idea was but that doesn't make any sense to me wait 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 you like think. her <laughs> like the thing was um the response was like Arcasio, of course, says was essentially saying you don't have a choice but to vote Biden if you want to uphold democracy. Mm-hmm. And the critics were saying, "Wow, you're saying I have no choice. That isn't that the opposite of democracy?" Oh but that's God. not. But oh. that's just her choice of words. That's, like that's not. That's so oh. missing the point of what. She of was course, saying. you have a choice when you're in that poll booth voting. You, like she's not in your ear forcing you to. So like, right? Yeah, she's obviously she not just saying, implying that if you, yeah. yeah, if you understand what's going on and if you understand what it means for this election to vote for Biden or Trump you know who to vote for if you care about this country maintaining or sustaining its democratic values but right yeah in order to maintain balance yeah twisting words what mm-hmm. a great tactic and skill it is to have eh? <laughs> for real it's just like there is this idea among young radicals mm-hmm. that you know they're not going to compromise they're not going to vote for biden because they don't like you know kamala harris's uh history and prosecution they don't like joe biden's um history or uh politics they don't like you know that he's a moderate or anything like that and they're you know fighting to the bitter end about this sort of thing rather than coming to the pragmatic conclusion of it's at least better than trump you know and it's in some ways i admire it the idealism but in some ways i feel like those people need to sort of come back to earth a little bit you know what i'm saying <laughs> yeah i do and i agree but yeah so uh rest in peace ruth bader ginsburg rest in peace r.a.p r.b.g r.a.p r.b.g notorious r.b.g have notorious you seen R-B-G. R-B-G. yeah there's a novel that's that's uh that came out that's called mm. isn't it called the notorious r.b.g uh that might be i just i've seen like yeah. memes of her with like the crown you know yeah like the that's thing. a great picture yeah i love it 
I, well, I saw this tweet. It was like talking about like what she's really done for women. If you want to apply it to everyday life, apparently she had a lot of influence in the uh, the achievement of making sure women don't need the presence of a man for like things like signing a mortgage on a loan or like opening a bank account or. And I actually read a story. She actually, when she was a professor at Columbia, she actually hid her pregnancy. Oh wow! So that she could, you know, she hid her pregnancy until that her until her contract was renewed. Because she feared that them finding out that she was about to have another child would, you know, cause them to sway their decision or kind of cause mm-hmm. them to not re- renew her contract. Right. And for her to have to go through that struggle, because, you know, for a woman to hide her pregnancy, I'm sure that's fairly hard to do. Because, oh, you know, you know, there's a lot of things that happen to a woman's body and like a lot of, you know, things that they have to go through pain wise and etc you know I, I don't want to really get into the specifics of it because i'm you know well, but I mean, you know yeah. for her to have to struggle through that in order to fight which, that other women don't yeah, have to yeah yeah now you know it's considered wrong to fire a woman for wanting a baby you know if she want but, yeah yeah i mean even my, my <clears throat> when my mother was pregnant with um with my older sister she had to uh leave her job um because uh well she was like she hid she was pregnant when she was hired and when they found out it was like she left for maternity leave and wasn't asked back hmm. so it well it's just something that you know women face and it's something that you know rbg has fought against in yeah. terms of discrimination so that would i think that's going to be her legacy hopefully you know her legacy is not calling colin kaepernick dumb and uh disrespectful disrespectful yeah Yeah, that's that's my hope because it's like okay that was problematic and i don't agree with her maybe her views on race but she was a you know progressive icon in terms of gender discrimination so now let's just uh move on to a segment fairly new segment that we introduced last week Mm mm-hmm um, where we just kind of suggest something that yeah. we either saw so or let's came have across. Uh, we're we're rather fond of tonal whiplash here at, yeah. at FYI. Yeah, we tend to uh, end one segment on a downer, quickly shift subjects. and then quickly go, hey, something else, yeah. you know, <laughs> uh, bright or, or different or light in some way. So yeah, here's our we're introducing like like Daniel said our new recommendation segment where we recommend recommendation station recommendation station. <laughs> I think that's taken by somebody. Yeah, it is. Don't, don't, please don't um, think that we're coining the phrase. Yeah. Um, <laughs> our new uh, segment uh, with a working title. Um, uh, where Where we, yeah. Where we recommend to you uh, all kinds of media, all kinds of pop culture, movies, TV. Well, I mean, I have one on in my mind that I could do because you kind of made me a little subconscious about my initial choice when I, <laughs> I didn't mean to, to do that I was kind of I was kind of uh, so. messing with Dan early we were going over our recommendations I was kind of messing with him so real, I mean feel yeah. free to yeah okay recommend. I'm just gonna, we're gonna go ahead so I, I wanted to so I told Zach I was going to uh, suggest another document another Netflix document and <laughs> documentary yeah yeah and a documentary sorry and Zach was just saying like wow so you're really just trying to give off the intellectual vibe yeah huh? like I was to, okay I was trying to pick up ladies right, on this podcast yeah. and I was like I was no. saying <laughs> la- last week I recommended Star Trek Trek. This week I was gonna recommend uh, the new uh, the Mandalorian Star Wars TV yeah, show. So we I'm recommending I'm recommending yeah. all these nerdy things. Yeah. These out here like Netflix documentaries, see- seeming all woke and intellectual. At least there's a balance. They still balance <laughs> each other out. Maybe next week I'll do something nerdy and you can do something uh, 
intellectual. Yeah. Since you sure. are considered the more established intellectual well, I don't know among about the that. two of us. Come on, know. you were an IB. I don't know Come about on. all let's that. Not, <laughs> let's not beat around the bush here. <laughs> anyway, I was obviously joking. Yeah. Dan, obviously feel free, recommend whatever okay, you so, yeah. feel like uh, you need to. I watched this four-part series documentary called Trump, an American Dream. And it was very interesting to really see his ascension to fame and 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 uh, uh, being renowned in America, right. you know, he, like Zach was saying when I first mentioned it, he is he made he in the eighties nineties he made his name like synonymous with wealth. Yeah, with exactly. the building of and these this towers. Is, this document, this uh, documentary is is pre presidency, right? Uh, interesting. Okay, so the first one, there's four episodes, and each of them mm. are roughly an hour. The first one talks about. His building empire and like how he kind of ascended in New York, you know, with all this power and like yeah, how he did level. it. And he mm-hmm. did it by using this lawyer called uh, Roy Cohen, who uh, was also the lawyer for a bunch of the New York mafia bosses. Oh, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you know, I'm not gonna go too far into it. And then the second one talks about really uh, his his uh, in, his uh, his inclusion in the in the casino business. You know, when he went into Atlantic City and then did the Taj Mahal, et cetera, et cetera. And then the third one, uh, the fourth one is about politics. So the fourth one talks about really his his flirtatious tone or for his flirtatious uh, tendencies towards the presidency throughout mm-hmm. his entire mm-hmm. career as a businessman. And so, yeah. It, and the third one was more about family. The third one, now I remember now, it was about his family affairs and how, you know, he had like <laughs> four wives. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Melania being the most recent one, obviously. I mean, but, yeah. I think it's interesting if we look back, like, pre-election, you know, Trump, he maybe have had said some outrageous things, but he was just known as being a rich guy. Like, he yeah. wasn't necessarily known as a racist or as uh yeah. I remember the, 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 the third the Eureka third, here. Sorry, the three the <laughs> third episode. You're gonna appreciate this. The third mm-hmm. episode is called Citizen Trump, and the episode oh, yeah? the episode starts with an interview that he has, and they ask him, "What's your favorite film?" And he says, "Citizens Citizen Kane." Oh, interesting. And, he, and they said, "Why?" And he said, "You see this guy who ascends with, to, to such wealth, wow. and then at the end he's <laughs> so empty inside." Wow! And, so Trump just totally and he's comparing himself totally to the Kane missing the point of, of the movie. Kane. Yeah, literally. I liked it a lot. That's so. Funny. I just remember watching the, the the that episode and just screaming at the That's TV. So you funny. don't get you movies. Don't you don't get it. Citizen Kane. What do you? Orson Welles would be rolling in his grave. That's so funny. Like I a film so bro, upset. you know that's into Wolf of Wall Street saying I want to be like Jordan Belford when yeah, I grow up literally. entirely going over his head the message of the film that's interesting yeah so is, the do- the, is it like you know are there any uh, beyond that in, within the documentary are there any explicit references to Citizen Kane in terms of like yeah it's the style of the documentary episode or anything like that uh, I mean you sh- they show scenes of the movie yes mm-hmm. and they show like uh it's 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 kind of nice how strategically you know they they place the the clips that they do like they they place a clip of uh Kane like you know at the end he was like you know fucking up that entire bedroom you remember yeah yeah at Throwing the end yeah, yeah. and uh that spoiler was spoiler alert for this you know 80 90 year old movie by the way <laughs> I mean it, I it, that scene really isn't like it has significance but like not sure. only in context and yeah. so but yeah, and they lined, they showed that clip of the movie while they were talking about uh, 
his his divorce battle with uh, mm-hmm. Ivana Trump, his first wife. That you know, and you you kind of find out through this documentary, she had a a lot of influence and a lot of uh, grip or a lot of you know power towards the ascent of the building and the operations of his buildings and towers. That's interesting. But yeah. yeah, does he have a rosebud? Is there something that? He doesn't even like he he, he addresses Rosebud actually. And he says, oh, yeah. "I don't think you know. I don't think people. Know. I don't think a lot of people get or anyone gets what it means really." <laughs> one of the most studied films of all time. And he says, "No one knows what no it means." No one knows it. <laughs> that's pretty funny. I'm yeah. not gonna lie. But yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah. That's, uh, so what's what's this documentary called again? It's called Trump: An American Dream. Interesting. And it's, that, it's it's another great thing about it is they 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 include a, a bunch of people to talk on there with him and these are people you know and, and to establish sort of uh, impartiality in the movie or in the documentary they they get people that actually adore this man too so oh, they you know they don't just get people that are rivals they get people that helped him they get uh, Roger Stone which was the political advisor to him that you know really was able to really enabled him to become president he was like his mm. his top political consultant and advisor so. Mm. You get a lot of uh, notable people to talk on there. So does does the documentary come down on one way or another about does it pass any judgment or is it? I don't think it really passes a judgment rather than judge the character of him in, in particular. Like they don't, okay. they're not trying to say that he's a shitty president. They're not trying to say he's a shitty person. They're just trying to say this is him as a person. This is who this person is. Right. Know? Okay. Because you know yeah. a lot of people that vote for him now, they just you know they see the surface level of who he is, mm-hmm. and they just kind of think they kind of reminisce on who they thought of him back then. Sure. You know, because a lot of his a lot of his voters are people that are like what sixty fifty. So yeah. Like, these are I people mean, that adored him back in the eighties nineties. Like wow, sure. this guy's so rich. He's got a board game. He's got a TV show. <laughs> like wow. And I would imagine you know even if it's not explicitly saying we don't like Donald Trump because he's a terrible person, I would imagine <laughs> in presenting just simply the facts faults would arise like i would imagine yeah. that yeah. you know even if it's not explicitly mm-hmm. anti-trump i would imagine just by in yeah. you know giving his history there would be did you know that netanyahu is at his wedding <laughs> really i didn't find that out till i watched this That's uh, yeah so i'm sure that had a wait, lot like, to do wait, with wait, the... hold on which wedding <laughs> <laughs> the first one sorry okay <laughs> wait yeah it was the first one okay and apparently they like instructed everyone to come like without cell phones because they were selling the photos of the wedding to uh mm. people magazine so <laughs> they uh monetized their wedding as well that's so that's great that's pretty funny <laughs> but uh zach you wanted to yeah something? so uh my rec- i had actually had two um recommendations one album and one tv show right on, right um on. so pretty new album came out earlier this year from the rapper marlo are you familiar marlo yeah marlo Duto. Uh, he's got an album out called Marlo 2. He had an album out, I think, 2018, 2016 called Marlo, self-titled. Um, M-A-R-L-O-W-E. And wait, what's that again? M-A-R-L-O-W-E. O-W-E. Yeah, so he's a rapper. He just dropped an album called Marlo 2. Um, you know, I'm a big Doom fan. Uh, nice. He's got a, he's got a kind of similar style on some of his tracks. Um, you know, some... Uh, from Seattle. Yeah, so he's got some... Um, he likes to use samples the same kind of way, uh, same style as Doom in some ways. Like, I don't like... A lot, a lot of uh, music fans will... Anytime there's a rapper that has sort of like intellectual or pop culture sort of bars, they're like, oh, it's, it's Doom influenced. But this guy really has some actual Doom influence, I feel like, in terms nice. of his sampling and stuff like that. Um, his beats and his bars are kind of make me feel uh, make me uh, remind me of like run the jewels and stuff like that um 
So yeah, great album. I love the particularly the track Future Power Sources, I think is great. Um, but yeah, it's a wreck for an album. And then, like I mentioned up front in this of this segment, I'm going to recommend the Disney Plus uh, series The Mandalorian. If you're a Star Wars fan, if you're a Western fan even, The Mandalorian feels a lot like a space Western in a lot of ways. Uh, episodes harkening back to classic Westerns like uh, The Magnificent Seven, harkening back to samurai films that were that inspired Westerns like Seven Samurai, things like that. Um, great show. You know, if you're if you're on the fence about Disney Plus and you haven't seen The Mandalorian, I would say it's worth getting. Subscribe it for at least a month. Yeah, it's Watch worth the first getting season. for Disney Plus. And the second season is coming out next month. Yeah. So if you want to be strategic about it, there's only, what, 10 episodes, I believe. And there are roughly 10 days left in September. So <laughs> get to it. <laughs> yeah, I think it's pretty... And it's I think it's relatively cheap compared to other um, streaming services. And like with the bundles that are available with, you know, you can get Disney and Hulu and uh, right, I think right. it's ESPN Plus mm. all in one bundle. Why right. not, you know? If you are on the fence about it and you are at all interested in, in The Mandalorian... I would say it's worth getting Disney Plus for The Mandalorian. At least for this next month when the new season drops. Um, was uh, I think what's it's the guy's show. name? Ja... Which guy? The actor? Something Pascal? The... Yeah, Pedro Pascal. Pedro Pascal, the man yeah, yeah. from uh, Narcos. Yeah. The yeah, Colombian yeah. Narcos. Right. The, he's the in, Narcos. He's also <laughs> in uh, the second Kingsman movie. He's, yeah. he's going to be in the new Wonder Woman movie. Oh, yeah. I think he's a great actor. Um, he's awesome. Uh, he's great <clears throat> in it, but he's wearing a helmet for most of the movie. So if you're watching mm-hmm. it because you think he's hot or whatever, you're not gonna you're not gonna get too yeah. much of that. Um, Baby Yoda though. Baby Yoda's adorable. So cute. So yeah. <laughs> also, a film buffs Werner Herzog is in it for some reason. Oh yeah, yeah, the German. It's kind of confusing German, yeah. to me because um, he's such a legendary director. Yeah, he was in Parks and Rec. I think we've already talked about this. Before, yeah, right? yeah, he was yeah. in Parks and Rec. He had no business being in Parks and Rec besides playing a <laughs> creepy man old yeah. selling a creepy house. It's crazy. It's just like. <laughs> you know, it's like imagine if, well, I was about to say imagine if like Paul McCartney uh, made a track with Kanye or something, but that totally happened. It did. Four, five, <laughs> it totally happened. You don't have to imagine. Just, yeah. You know, it's, no, I just, think it's like just, number two in a Spotify. No, but just actually. imagine, imagine it's sort of like, um, it'd be sort of like Beethoven even in that way. Like it's, he's such a like renowned, like classic film director for him to make an appearance in Star Wars. I it's like Beethoven and the Beatles collabing, basically, because I mean, I mean, yeah, in some ways, I was gonna even go more popular, populist about it, like Beethoven collabing with Justin Bieber or something, mm. or like uh, with Yo, Cardi that'd be B a or something. Fire song, actually. <laughs> oh my god. Well, I mean, it's not a great <clears throat> analogy because obviously Beethoven's been long dead, and you know Bieber can sample him or whatever. But just imagine <laughs> like a really renowned, acclaimed, um, you know, musician collabing with some really popular pop musician okay how about this it's like quentin tarantino being on a nickelodeon show (laughs) kind of yeah it's i would say more like steven spielberg showing up uh you know on some tv show i don't know i don't have any great analogies but it's just weird anyway ben lorian is great if you like star wars even if you don't i feel like it's a it's a good show it's a good way to get into star wars in some ways like you're yeah. you're gonna get more out of it if you're a star wars fan mm-hmm. obviously with in-universe references and things like that but even if you're not i think it's a pretty uh pretty great show regardless in terms of drama in terms of action yeah so yeah the mandalorian folks good check show. it out 
Check out season one before season two drops. Oh, for sure, please. Yeah, do yourself a favor. Don't don't mess up the sequence of, of watching these. Things. Yeah, and you know if you hate it, leave a comment. Tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> no one's wrong. It's all tell opinion. It doesn't matter. It's yeah. I'm not. I was. Yeah, if gonna, you don't like, I'm it, not going to refund yeah. your Disney Plus subscription or anything. <laughs> That's not what we're offering. <laughs> we're not monetized. We can't even afford a song to put to put on this <laughs> podcast. We're not going to afford your Disney subscription. But uh, you know, I'd say check it out. No. Not as my rec, my Rex, both of them not as uh, maybe informative as Daniel's. But... Oh no, but I'm still going to check out Marlo. Sounds like a cool project. A yeah, cool, I'm, cool I'll artist. check out that. Uh, check out that doc. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, well, I'm we, glad we you have, guys came in and tuned in. Yeah, we have been for your ignorance. Of course, FYI. Thank you to Mercury for you know being the bros. <laughs> and uh, as always, peace, peace in the, the Mid East. Mid-East.